Hey, how's everybody doing? Good. I'm here to ruffle your feathers, according to Pastor Jody. Oh, yes. Um, I am Brady. I am the executive pastor here, if you don't know me, if you're new to the church. And I get the privilege of speaking part one of Expectation Series. And I want to welcome our online audience. Um, we have a special guest moderator on our Facebook. So if you're watching on Facebook right now, um, Pastor Larry LaFleur is on there moderating the comments. How great is that? Our founding pastor is on there. So if I say anything wrong, he'll correct me online. Um, instead of just telling me about it. But um, I'm really excited about this message. Thank you so much for being here. We don't take it for granted. Our church, we have grown so much in the last six years, but especially in the last year, we have grown a lot. And so we're going to set an expectation. We're going to talk about church, what it means today, but what are what is our roles? What are we supposed to be doing when we come in? But to to start off, if you know me, you know whenever I speak, two things happen. I'm pretty passionate, and sometimes people mistake that for being angry. I'm just going to set the record straight. I'm not angry. I'm just really passionate about what I'm talking about. I'm so passionate. I stayed on the phone last night with Pastor Larry for like an hour discussing this, and he's passionate about it, and I'm passionate. We're like yelling on the phone at each other. So, um, so this is all built up. And the second thing you got to know about me is I'm very vulnerable and honest and transparent about my life. So I'm going to open with a where this kind of came from, a couple months ago on TV, a show came up that I remember from the 90s. It came out in 94. I'm not going to tell you the name, and here's my transparency. In 1994, I should not have watched this movie. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm not going to tell you the name, but it's about a sports agent. Don't say the name if you know it, because I don't want anybody to go watch this movie because it's inappropriate. But it's about a sports agent. And the sports agent, in the middle of an, in the night, he had an epiphany that the sports agency, what he was working for, was not what he started out, what it was supposed to be. Because when he started out, his mentor talked about, it's not about how many clients and all the money, it's about building relationships. When in the movie, he's going to the hospital to visit one of his clients. And his client's a football player, one of his many clients is a football player, and he's on his fourth concussion. And the guy's laying there like a mashed potato in the bed, and the doctor's talking to him, he's like, couldn't even pay attention. And there's this 10-year-old son going, is my dad going to be okay? And the sports agent's like, yeah, he's going to be all right. When the sports agent leaves, the, the little boy follows him out. And he said, hey, my dad's in bad shape. Is there any way that you can tell my dad to stop playing football? And he's like, I can't. Even God himself's not going to stop your dad play, from playing football. And the little boy goes, God, you're such a jerk. All you care about is my dad's money. And then he said some other inappropriate words to the sports agent, and then that's it. Scene. Next scene, he's representing a baseball player. And a little kid comes up to this baseball player and he goes, Hey, can you can 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 I have your autograph? And the and the baseball player looks at the baseball card and goes, Sorry, son, I only sign top hand baseball baseball cards. And the little boy goes, God, jerk, I just wanted your autograph. And in that moment, the sports agent, you can see in his eyes, something happened. So that next day, he's at this big conference, and he can't sleep. And he's thinking about these little boys and how, how this has turned into more clients, more money, bigger, bigger, bigger. And he wrote this mission statement that turned out to be seven pages. Seven-page mission statement about less clients, less money, build relationships. That's what it was founded on. That's what we need to get back to. Well, of course, he printed out copies for everybody, and everybody applauds him. Woo, yeah, and then he gets fired the next day because 
in business, it's about making money. Well, that show came on TV a couple months ago, and as I was watching the TV version of the movie, it made me think about church. And I don't know if you get this when you read the word. I wonder if this is what it's supposed to be. Now, you got to know me. I'm the production guy. See these lights? Guess who was on the install of these lights? This guy. This stage build out. I pushed this stage build out. I'm the production guy. The cameras, the live stream. I'm this guy. But in the same breath of me going, God, we need to spend, we need to do this for cameras. At the next moment, I'm the burn it down guy. Get rid of it. Give me the acoustic guitar. Let's go into the woods and worship. That's me. Like, for real, sometimes I go, is that, like, when we were building this church, I will never forget. Pastor Larry, you can comment online if you want. When we were building this church, you know what architects told us if we wanted to grow our church, what we needed? A good-sized women's bathroom. Come on, Jesus. That's in Hezekiah chapter 3. If you want to grow your church, have a good-sized women's bathroom. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to the disciples? Hey, make sure you have on the, the next Yeezys if you want to grow your church. Make sure you have on the right outfit. That's not what church is supposed to be about. Miracles followed the disciples. That's what got people talking. When the 5,000 people were fed, you couldn't keep that miracle quiet. Last week in the men's equip class, we talked about Peter saying to the, to the, to the uh, man on the gate, beautiful, when he asked for money, he says, money I don't have, but what I have, get up in the name of Jesus and walk. So the lame man got up and he didn't just walk. He started running around. You can't keep it secret when something is going on in your life. But now it's become about, and it's not now, but I remember in the early 2000s, the big, the big word, and I know some of you are like, Brady, you should be speaking this at like a, um, a church leaders conference, but I believe all of us here are church leaders. But the buzzword was seeker sensitive. Ooh, that's a cuss word. It was about what can we do that makes us so attractive to people? The AC's gotta be just right. The chair's gotta be comfortable, the color screen, the, the, the branding of the church. And your pastor can only speak for 27 minutes. Let me tell you, when I showed up here in 1997, there was no 27 minute preaching. <laughs> and there was no three songs and announcement video. I remember the first time I showed up, worship was an hour. And I'm, I'm 14 years old going, God, my legs hurt. <laughs> and then Pastor Larry preached for an hour and 15 minutes. We missed everybody at the buffet. There was nobody left when we got there. That's the church that I showed up to. But now churches are, you can't go longer than an hour. Can I be honest with you? Last week at the end of service, I was in the back. God, I'm telling on y'all, don't, don't throw anything at me. But before Jody even said stand up, like 23 people got up and walked out because it was getting close to 11. Where are we at now? Where are we at? What is the point of what we're doing here? That's what this has to be about. And so I want to go through the word, and I'm going to do something opposite than what I normally do. Normally when I speak, I have one passage, and I like to just kind of talk about it on that. But today, I don't want to do that. 
Today, I'm gonna say a lot of scriptures, but the main key scripture we're gonna be in is the awesome book of Ezekiel. So you can turn there if you have your Bibles. I know it's the new generation. We don't have our Bibles there. But in your phone app, you can go to Ezekiel. We're gonna be there in just a second, Ezekiel 44. But before we go there, we need to explain something, and it comes from 1 Peter 2.9. And we're gonna be reading out the New King James Version. I like to say that because whenever a minister is ministering up here and you have a different version, sometimes it's hard to understand what we're saying. So we're going to be reading this out of the New King James. And this is what 1 Peter 2.9 says. But you are a chosen generation. Who? We are. You're adopted in. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Oh, no one called you special before. Guess what? You're special. You're his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are the modern day Levites. The, if you don't know, um, where are the men who are in um, Pastor Jody's men's equipped class? I'm gonna test you, are you ready? A disciple is a, shh, you're the teacher of the class, Pastor Jody. I should call people out. A disciple is, yell at Pastor Jody, a learner. So we're gonna learn something today. The tribe of Levites, that was the priest. That was the tribe that was there for the tabernacle to worship the Lord, to minister to the Lord. And so you are the modern day Levites. But to understand what they did, let's go back to the Old Testament. We're gonna jump in the book, just one quick scripture in Deuteronomy 10.8. And this is where the Lord separated the tribe of Levi. And this is what he says. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless his name to this day. So what does it mean to bear the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. That's what the Ark of the Covenant was. And we were to bear it, which means we're to carry it and we're to host it. So as church people, as people who are saved by the blood of the lamb, you are to host the presence of God, host him. I heard one minister say this, whenever Jesus got baptized and says the Holy Spirit descended on him like a, like a dove, like a dove, and that dove rested on him. Imagine walking around with a bird on your shoulder. How would you walk around? Would you go, no, because the bird would fly off. You would walk softly, gently, intentional, hosting the bird that's on your shoulder. We are to bear the Ark of the Covenant. We are to carry and host the presence of God. That is our job as the New Testament, which, come on, equip class, New Testament means new, I heard it, covenant, new covenant. And that wasn't even a man that spoke that. That's a learner. It's new covenant. And so in this new covenant, the modern day Levites were to host and to carry his presence. And then it says that we're to minister to him. Ministering to the Lord is a phrase that we don't talk about often. We are to minister to God. Like we understand ministry to people. We go, we do what Jesus said. We feed the hungry. We clothe the naked. That always shocks me. Like do we just go follow naked people and give them clothes? That's weird. But we are supposed to meet the needs of the people. 
That is what we're, that's ministering to people. That's easy. We preach messages. We sing songs. We high five. We encourage. We all have spiritual gifts. But that's not what the Levites did. They were to minister to the Lord. So let's look at what that means. It's a Hebrew word, a Hebrew word that means sharath. Ooh, you like my Hebrew? In American, we call it sarat. Sarath. And it means to serve and to wait on him within 27 minutes. Within three songs. That's not what it says. We're to serve and to wait on him. In Acts 13.2, we hear that this is a phrase that comes up in Acts 13.2. Why these, why these um, champions of the faith are praying together, they're praying and they're faster, and that actually in 13.2, Acts 13.2, it says that they ministered to the Lord. That's where we find it in the New Testament. And then it says that that's when the Holy Spirit says, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry. So what came first? The work of the ministry or ministry to the Lord? Ministry to the Lord. And out of that flowed the ministry to people. Well, if you look at that word in the, in the Greek, because it's in the New Testament, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce this word. Actually, I will. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be vulnerable and honest. Litargero, that's the Greek word. And it means to serve at, one, at one's own cost. So if I'm gonna worship him, as a modern-day Levite, it should cost me something. It's going to cost you something. Jesus even said it. If you want to follow me, you got to die. You got to pick up your cross and follow me. So what does it look like in the Old Testament? All right, here we go. We're going back and forth. I'm, I want you to learn this. Ezekiel 44. Here's the main text of the scripture. Ezekiel 44. We're going to start in verse 15. But the priest, the Levites, the son of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near me to minister to me. Let's stop right there. Who's the sons of Zadok? Well, when the Israelites went crazy and started worshiping idols, this one little sanction, the section of priests, the sons of Zabak, did not do that. They stayed holy in the sight of God. They didn't run off and go to idols. And because of that, the Lord rewarded them with the privilege of being ministers to God. The other priests, well, then what was their job? Their job was to help people bring in the sacrifices, drag the bull in, drag the lamb, and to help slaughter the animals. That's what the other priests did. They had to just serve. But these sons, they got the privilege of being in the Holy of Holies, ministering unto God. And this is what they ministered. So if you keep reading, they shall come near me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall come near me, my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. So they are to minister the fat and the blood. Now remember the New Testament. The word means to minister to him at one's own cost. I believe what we should see in the Old Testament here is that your job as ministers of the Lord is first to give your blood and your fat. And some of you are like, I got plenty of fat to give. Here, take it, Lord. But let me tell you something. If you study what fat does in the body, it's the energy part of your body. Blood is your life. With no blood, you don't live. So he wants you to give your life, 
but not just your life. He wants to give your fat, your energy. Your, that fat moves in and actually allows your cells to function properly. So if you want the inward part of your life to function, you gotta give the Lord your energy, not just five minutes. You gotta give him your blood. You gotta give him your energy. You gotta give him your life. That is what we are supposed to do. He is wanting all of us, not just five minutes of our day. And that is our expectation of what we are called to be right now in the modern day Levites. Let's keep reading Ezekiel 44. In verse 17, it says this. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen trousers on their bodies, and they shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. Remember the curse of the, the, curse of the law is sweat. Work by the sweat of your brow. What I believe what the Lord is wanting to speak to us right now in this, and this is gonna go for all of us in here who are volunteers, have been serving the Lord for many years. If we don't get it right first about ministering to God, our volunteerism and our meeting the needs of people will be by the sweat of our brow. It's not supposed to be that way. In Acts 13, 2, when they were ministering the Lord, that letargeho, geho, what it means is to minister at one's own expense, but there's a second definition. The second definition means now to aid others. If you don't get the first one right, check... That's weird. If you don't get the first one right, then your ministry will be out of your own scheming, your own will, your own work ethic. And look, if you know me, you know I love work ethic. I believe, I have a motto. You, you work hard, you play hard, and you rest hard. But if I don't get the ministry to the Lord first and foremost, then my ministry to others will lead to burnout frustration, confusion. And so I believe we are supposed to minister to the Lord first. If we get it backwards, we burn out, we sweat, and it leads to self-effort. And so Watchman Nee, Watchman, has anybody ever read a Watchman Nee book? Oh, Watchman Nee, he was the man. So he was born in 1903 in China, and he was a minister. And then when the Communist Party took over, the last 20 years of his life, he died in 1973 or 75, the last 20 years of his life, he spent in prison because he, he would not give up his faith, and he kept ministering to people and ministering to the Lord. And this is what he says. We're going to put it on the screen, if you can do that for me, Kelsey. Unless ministry to the Lord is a thing that governs us, the work will be in confusion. God does not want volunteers for his work. He wants conscripts. That's, com that's people who like give their life to the army. They sign up. They're, they're saying, here's my life. Now I'm, now I'm going into service. He wants, he wants commissioned people. He wants those people to give their whole life. It is service Godward that urges us manward. But so many times we get it twisted. So many times we get it backwards to where now it's about what can I do for people? I want to have my hands help because that's easy. I can see the fruit. But when you're waiting on the Lord and you're sitting there going, God, I'm ready for you. Speak to me. And all you hear is the AC blowing. 
and you can't really hear him, then it's easy to go, okay, and I'll go do my own thing. But what if we were the people that waited on him? What if we were those people that said, Lord, what are you, what are you doing today? Let me tell you, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Our messages that, that we preach, that Pastor Jody preaches, we don't get them off of YouTube. We don't just go, oh, this, we don't like scheme in our staff and go, what would the people really want to hear? What would get people here? That's not what we do. We're led by the Spirit. And we read our words and go, okay, there's something on this. There's some fire in this. There's something burning in my soul for this. And then all of a sudden we talk about it and we bring it up and then we pray about it. And then now it turns into that. That's who our staff is. We don't just come up with great ideas, but we want to serve the Lord. We want to minister him. And that simply means I'm worshiping at my own expense. Like that's why I don't, when we built this building in 2004, the front, which we call the altar, used to be a lot bigger than this. In fact, it started at the third row. And there was none of seats here. You know why? Because in 2004, during worship, where the majority of our people were, and I'm, please understand, I'm not shaming and I'm not putting guilt. I'm simply stating a fact. The majority of our people were up here, worshiping. In 1998, I made a decision that I wasn't going to sit at my seat any longer during worship, and I would go up to the front. And it wasn't so I could show off my latest dance moves, and I got plenty of those. It wasn't that. It was because I wanted to give the Lord my best, and I couldn't because I'm easily distracted. And then I would be watching other people. And the next thing you know, I'm doing this, and then I'm like, oh, what time is it? Oh, my God, they're singing their sixth song. But that's not what I did. I went up to the front and got the distractions away, and it was just me and the Lord. And I didn't care if you made fun of my eardrums. I never broke out the air guitar, and you're lucky. But I will play a mean air drum during worship. And I did that, but it wasn't just me. The entire front was filled with people. And we used to have to get there 10 minutes early because I'm going to get my spot. No one's taking my worshiping spot. But that's how we were. But now the majority of us go, no, it's Jade and the worship team's job to minister to the Lord. It's not. It's our job. We are the Levites. We are here to minister to him. That is the expectation. When we get it backwards, it leads to moralism. We are not asking you to be moral people. I'm not asking you to be good people. I mean, hopefully you're good, but that's not the point. We're asking you to be righteous and we can't do that. It's the Lord's righteousness on us. Now we're asking you to get in the process of being sanctified, which is the process of being made holy. I want to be holy before the Lord, not just a good moral person. Moralism always leads to judgment of others. Moralism always looks down on somebody. Well, at least I'm not like that. And now the church has turned into moral people. We're not. We're fire-filled, spirit-filled believers in God who has a miracle inside of us ready to get out. That is who we are. But this is where it happens. So Galatians 5.16 is one of my favorite verses. It says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Moralism does it backwards. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, then you can walk in the spirit. That's not what it says. Don't get it twisted. He says, walk in the spirit. Other translations say this, like the New Living, which I love the New Living translation, the NIV, it says this, let your lives be guided by the spirit. 
Yeah. Walking in the spirit versus being guided by is to me two separate things. Walking in the spirit means no matter where I go, the spirit's here. I'm completely in those Zorby balls. Have everybody ever done that? Where you get inside and you're like a hamster? Like you're completely surrounded. And whenever I'm walking in the spirit, guess what happens? I'm not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you want to know what the lust of the flesh is, keep reading after Galatians 5.16. It talks about the sinful nature. When I'm walking in the spirit, I don't want to fulfill that. But when you start going, oh my God, I got to hear from God. So I got to go wash myself. I got to get myself clean. You're missing it. Now it becomes about what you can do. But it always starts with God. You are so amazing. And when you start your praise upward, that's when something happens. I can't explain it. I don't want to call it magic. But there is something so tangible when you start singing your praises upward that seems like your problems just kind of fizzle away. Because the main thing becomes the main thing. So our expectation for you is to show up in this building on Sunday morning and be ready to go. You know, there was, a, there was a, like a conversation many years ago that said, is the um, point of church services on Sunday morning, is it for non-believers or for believers? And there was ministers arguing on the internet about, our church is for non-believers. And there's other people like, no, our church is for believers. You know what ours is? Both. We learned a long time ago, don't put an or where God puts an and. And so it's not, are you this, or are you that? No, it's like we are for non-believers and we are for believers because we are a rescue mission. That is what we're called to do. But the biggest rescue mission is not to bring your person here so Pastor Jody can preach to them. It's that your life is living for the Lord upward and all of a sudden now you're ministering outward. Now we're coming together on Sunday morning ready to go because you're not, you're here. But you're not just waking up and then, oh my God, I got to hurry up. You know what it's like when you're late to something? And you're not really prepared and you show up and you're like, oh God, I'm out of it. And it takes you like 10 minutes to kind of get in the flow of things. And then by the time you get in the flow, worship's over. But what if you came already ministering to the Lord that morning? It reminds me of like, I cycle a lot. And on Saturday mornings, there's always a group ride from Shepherd's Rest in Carlos. That's where um, Victor used to baptize people, by the way. And so we used to, like, we still ride on Saturday mornings, but I live, it's a 15-minute bike ride from my house to Shepherd's Rest. So instead of me getting in my car and driving to Shepherd's Rest, I ride my bike from my house to go do a two-hour ride, and I can meet people there. Whenever I show up and I get off my bike and everybody drives in and we're waving and we're like, all right, let's go, and we pray, and we take off riding, guess who's in the front? Me, because I'm already sweating, I'm lathered up. I'm ready to go. And people are like, God, why is Brady going so fast? I'm like, because I already already warmed up. I'm ready to go. Let's work. But here at church, you're not warmed up. Because maybe it becomes about the music and not about ministering to the Lord. Maybe it's become about what we can do for you instead of what you're doing for the Lord. We expect a church that is filled up with the Holy Spirit ready to go. Well, what if you're not like that? Welcome to the party. Welcome, there's an invitation at the table ready for you to be a modern day Levite. And it simply starts with you going, yes. It simply starts with you going, yes, Lord, I am ready to be a minister unto you. Well, how long does it take? Like that. That was like, we timed that sneeze. Like that was perfect. 
That was, that was so spirit-led right there. That was amazing. God bless you. That was so amazing. So I want to, um, I really want to move into something. And you might be asking why I have fuzzy dice up here. All the people from the 70s are really excited. I'm going to explain how, what I just talked about, how fuzzy dice have to do with it. I've never, um, gosh, I told myself I wasn't going to get emotional. I've never spoken this on a stage before. I got to speak to this about two to three weeks ago in, with the Kidmo staff, the volunteers over there, about this story. And I feel like sometimes we take coming to church a little too lightly. There's a reverence to it. I think we take volunteering lightly. But I'm going to tell you that these fuzzy dice changed somebody's life. In 1998, at the beginning of 98 in January, me and my friend Josh Babineau had a radio show together. It was called The Josh and Brady Show. And it was on KZM 1310 AM. That's right. All the AM people. And... We had a radio show. It was on Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. for one hour, the Josh and Brady show. I can still hear the intro music. And we did that, and it was amazing. But during commercial breaks, we would go explore the studio. And we were, like, the only ones there. And so we'd go explore the studio, and we found in a closet a huge package of fuzzy dice from KZM. And so the next Sunday... We happened to call the owner of the station, and we said, hey, can we have that box of fuzzy dice? And he said, sure, what am I going to do with it? It's 1998. No one has fuzzy dice hanging in their mirrors anymore. And so we took them, but we didn't just take them for us. We both worked in children's church, and we took them to children's church. And if you were part of Pastor Lori's children's ministry in the late 90s, chances of you getting a pair of fuzzy dice is really good. Because we chose to give fuzzy dice if you won a game, you got fuzzy dice, and it was so cool. Kids had fuzzy dice. But we didn't just give it to win games. We gave it to when we really felt one of the students needed a pick-me-up, needed to feel good. Fast forward to 2019. A man showed up here on a weekday. I want to believe it was a Tuesday. And he comes in, and I kind of recognized him. I was like, God, I know this. I know this guy from somewhere. And he said, hey, I need, I need to talk to somebody. And I said, I'm here. What's up? So we went and sat down on a couch. And, he, and for like five minutes, he just had his head and his hands, and he wouldn't say a word. Talk about awkward. Like Pastor Jody loves awkward silence. I don't like awkward silence. And I'm like, so what'd you have this morning? Like I'm just, and, and then it changed. He got up, and his eyes were bloodshot. You could tell he's been crying, and he said, I had a gun to my head this morning. And now it's honest, it's open, it's vulnerable. Whenever that happens, I don't hold back. I go, why didn't you do it? Like simple, not like, oh, brother. No, I just get straight to the point. I said, so what happened? You're here right now. And he said, I could not stop thinking about this guy. Like Jesus, <laughs> like, like, was Moses there? Like, who, who was there? And he goes, There's this guy whenever I was a kid. He said, You don't know this, but I used to come to church here when I was eight years old. And he said, My life at home was not very good. 
drugs, abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse from family. And he said, but my parents used to come and drop me off for Pastor Lori's Children's Church. And he said, I would just be getting yelled at. But when I walked in the door, there was this guy there, and he was also so friendly and so genuine. He always put his hand on my back and said, God has a purpose for your life. And he said he used to pray with me, but he didn't just give me words. He actually gave me a pair of fuzzy dice. And immediately I knew, and I said, tell me more. He said, and then he got a new truck, and he took me outside to see this new truck of his. I said, you remember the truck? And I know, I know the truck. He said, yeah, it was a single cab white F-350 dually diesel. I said, that's my friend Josh. And he said, I want to talk to him. And I said, you don't know, but Josh was um, hit by a train in 1999. And he was like, whoa. And he said, well, I wish I could tell him that what he did for me in 1998 saved my life 21 years later. Tell me that story because I had many conversations with Josh. During the radio show and just being friends, Josh's, Josh and his brother Justin's one of the main reasons why I'm here today. And I, through these conversations, we would have like ministry and what we're going to do with our life and how church is taken for granted. People just come here just to come here and they care more about the things that are wrong than the things that are actually going right. And he says, I want my life to be on a mission. So when Josh would show up for children's ministry, he wasn't just there to fill a spot. He was there to minister to people because he was also ministering to God first through those conversations. Now, let me tell you something. Josh was not perfect. The story, don't get it twisted. This isn't about Josh. Josh was a crazy kid just like all of us were. Like, we have many stories. He wasn't Jesus, but he loved Jesus. And he loved God and he ministered to God, which caused him to be able to minister to this young kid, this young eight-year-old. And 21 years later, a guy did not shoot himself because of something that happened in 1998 with a volunteer who did not take it lightly. But when you show up and you show up with consumerism on your mind, what can the church do for me? You missed it. If Josh would have showed up that day in 98 and go, what is, well, Pastor Lori's the pastor. I'm just going to be back here. Miss the opportunity. What you do matters. When you show up here, someone, you may not have fuzzy dice to give to somebody. Hopefully, maybe the Lord will bring it back. But you know what you have to give to somebody? A smile, a handshake. Here's something else that you have. It's the most valuable asset pretty much all of us have because we only have so much of it. Time. You have time to show up here. And I'm not trying to guilt people or shame people, but when you show up spinning on two wheels with your fuzzy dice hanging in the mirror and you run in here, church has started, and as soon as Pastor Jody says, Stan, you run out, you're missing you being a gift to the body. You have a gift to bring. 
but it's got to flow out of your gift to the Lord first. It's got to flow out of your worship to the Lord. And this morning, I didn't even tell the band what I was preaching on until like right before service. You know, I thought all those songs were upward. I sing praises to your name. Greater you, Lord. Today was a perfect Sunday to go, God, I am here just for you. Don't take it lightly. Don't take ministering to the Lord and ministering to people lightly. Don't take volunteering lightly. Don't take being part of the church lightly. You have a gift to minister to people. Jesus said it best. He said, love God first. Then you love people. When you try to love people first without you submitting, ministering to the Lord, you will be burned out. And it will become about self-effort and about the sweat of your brow. So can we be the church that has the expectation that when we show up here, it's not about Pastor Jody, it's not about the band, it's about one person only, and that is Jesus. But it's not because I do, I do this on Sunday, I do this every single day of the week. It's, it's where this, I don't have to remind myself that I'm married to Kayla. Kayla, I'm only married to you one day a week. No, every decision that I base my life off is based with her in mind. Now, I know I'm married to her. It's the same way that I think about the Lord. I'm walking with the Spirit. It doesn't mean every two seconds, my like, Lord, what do you want? Do you want me to go left? You want me to go right? What do you want? It's the constant contact knowing that the Holy Spirit is there and I'm recognizing and saying, Lord, what do you want today? And what's funny, when that guy came up in 2019, that was whenever I was really doing my, what I felt appropriate, which is to wake up a little bit early and while I'm getting ready, say, Lord, what do you want today? Lord, send the right people in my path, but first let me worship you. Look, I'm not perfect. I don't get it right all the time, but I do know this. I love the Lord with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And I want him to partner with me because that's how it works. He partners with us.